Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. to share a couple of passages, Proverbs 28, 19, and this is familiar, and, and we're going to read the first half of it, and I'm, I'm going to read three different translations because each one kind of goes deeper and deeper, and, and so we know that it says, where there is no vision, the people perish, or the people cast off restraint, the people run wild, where there is no vision, where there is no clear direction, and, and what are we doing why are we doing it? Where are we going? Those things. And so the NLT says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But the Amplified Version gives us a little uh, more of a definition. It says, where there is no vision or where there is no redemptive revelation of God. So it's not just about having a vision of what we are doing, but it's having a redemptive revelation of God. And it says, where that is not there, the people perish. And then the message paraphrase. The paraphrase is not really a translation. It's basically putting it in the author's own words. And he says this. He says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And so when we understand vision, I want you to think of it as a redemptive revelation of God. What is a redemptive revelation of God? It is, it is seeing and having a picture of what God is doing and understanding that when we go after what God is doing, there are blessings there. But when we refuse to go after what God is doing, to go after and to follow after that redemptive revelation of God, then we perish. We cast off restraint. And for those of us in this room today that, that we bear the mark of Christian, we carry the name of, of a Christian or even more so a follower of Jesus because there are a lot of people that, that wear the jersey that aren't on the team. Right when I was a youth pastor and and skating like skateboarding was was really uh, picking up in the mid two thousands there were people who skated, but then there were people who carried the skateboards and wore the clothes. What did we call those? Posers. Let's go. Some of you guys know all my recovering emo kids. Right. Um, we called them posers, and I I know in the body of Christ there are a lot of well intended posers. They intend well, but they don't follow through on this redemptive revelation of who God is and that we have to remember who we are. Even more importantly, like I just read, whose we are, that we are God's prized possession and what we are supposed to do. And it needs to keep us from, from growing comfortable and growing complacent. And we said church is a people, not a place. 
And what I want to do today is just, just remind us of what our mission is here at Avenue Church so that, so that we don't get stuck in a single mindset, that we don't grow stale, that we don't get stagnant, but we keep moving because it can be real easy to get comfortable We've got a guy that sets up chairs for us. That's great. But, but what if we needed to move into a bigger venue, which I would love to, but we had to set up the chairs? That's uncomfortable. But sometimes the uncomfortable things, not sometimes, all the time, the uncomfortable things are the things that bring growth and bring increase into our life. And so when we look at this, we have to remind ourselves that we are a people with a purpose to expand God's kingdom. If we're, if we're followers of Jesus, we just don't get to come in and sit in our chairs and sing some songs and hear a sermon for one hour a week, 24 hours a year if we're coming twice a month, and, and, and then go out and just, just live our life. We have to understand that we are on mission, and Jesus said this. He said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And, and, and gates are not an offensive tactic. Gates are a defense, defensive tactic to keep people out. And he's saying, look, what, what the enemy is, is putting up can't keep us out. What the enemy is trying to do to, to, to keep us out isn't gonna work because Christ is building his church and it's by his power and it's by his revelation that we're able to expand God's kingdom. So what is our mission here at Avenue Church? So, so Jesus has called us to go into all the world to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach others to do what he taught the disciples to do. It's the Great Commission. And, and every church in every city walks that out according to their personality and the gifting that God has within that church. We're all doing the same thing. Sometimes we say it differently, right? For us here at Avenue Church, our mission, how we want to live this out is, is we wanna see people experience the way of life they were created to live but the most important part of that is in Christ, is that, that every single one of us, life is something to be experienced. From the moment we take our first breath until the moment we take our last breath, there are, there are experiences that we will have, there are experiences that we will celebrate, and there are experiences that, that we will mourn. But when we are walking in relationship with him, he sets the way in which we experience that because we are experiencing that in Christ. And so we don't wanna just offer people a better way of life because we're always trying to life hack some things, to try to find a better way to do something, a, a, a quicker way to do something, but we don't wanna give people just another quick fix. We wanna give people an eternal perspective on their life and not just a better way, but the best way. And that is lived through a, and, and, and pursuing a relationship with Christ. And so when we look at this, Avenue Church, it's, it's what we call our, our church. It's not just a fancy name. There's, there's a meaning behind it. Um, Avenue is this. When you look up the, defini the definition, it says, it's a path entering into a place or it's a way of approaching a problem or making progress in something. It's a path entering a place, 
It's a way of approaching a problem or making progress in something. How many of you know life is full of problems? And just when you get some solved, actually when you get one solved, you have 10 more coming right at you, right? And so we try to find ways to fix those problems. We try to find ways to enter into rest. But there is only one way, and that way is Jesus. One of our foundational scriptures here for Avenue Church is is Jeremiah 6.16, and it says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path, and you will find rest for your souls. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way. Walk in it. Travel its path, and you'll find rest for your souls. When Jennifer and I were youth pastors, what we were seeing is we would see our teenagers graduate high school and graduate church, and they would leave the church when they left youth ministry, and it broke our hearts that that the church we were in really struggled to find a place for our college students to connect. And so this verse... I've been carrying in my ministry since I was 26, 27 years old, and and we created a young adult ministry as youth pastors, and we called it Crossroads because young adults are always coming to Crossroads in their life, and once you make a decision, am I gonna go right, left, straight, which direction am I gonna go, and you get through that Crossroads, guess what you come to? Another Crossroads, right? And if you're like me and you get lost sometimes, sometimes you come back to the same Crossroads. And so we wanted to provide a place, but when, when God kind of dropped in my heart the vision for the church, he says, don't focus on the crossroads, the intersection, focus on the way that you're supposed to go. Because what I was doing is I was focusing on the intersection, and God's like, no, focus on the way. And then, and then when you look, all right, so, so what is the way? John 14, 6, Jesus says this. He tells the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. Jesus is the way. It's not the crossroads. It's the way. Jesus is the way. And it says that, that when you, in Jeremiah, it says, when you stop, look around, and travel the old godly way, you will find rest for your souls. I think today in culture, and my life at times, like, I am missing rest as much as anything. And we keep thinking, if I can get to another vacation, I'll have rest. Most of the times when I come back from vacation, I need more rest. Anybody else, right? Come on. There are trips and there are vacations. Our family likes to take trips, right? And when you go on with, like, you come back, you need a vacation because you got to do all the laundry. You got to, like, do all the things. Like, I need it. And so we look for a certain amount of time to find rest. And even for us as a church, I'm thankful for this place and we dream and we talk about getting our own place where we don't have to be portable. It's like when we get there, it won't be as hard and we can rest. The children of Israel were promised a place. God said, I will will take you into the promised land. And they were looking for rest to come in that promised land. But when they got to the promised land, guess what? There was still unrest. And we see in, in Hebrews that God had a better rest in store for them because we keep looking for rest in a place, but rest can only be found in a person. It can only be found in Christ and he alone. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so how do we flesh that out here at Avenue Church? Like, how do we, how do we make that tangible? How do we put that into steps? Is, is we want you, we want everyone that walks through these doors to experience the love of God. 
We want them to experience not just, but the unconditional love of God. There, there are a lot of false loves out there. There are people pursuing infatuations, thinking it is love, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in jobs, whether it's in material things, whether it's in social status, whether it's in, in social influence. That is all temporary and that is all conditional because the moment you start to change from who they think you should be or who they want you to be, their love diminishes. It's conditional. Christ's love is unconditional. And we try to explain it. We do our best through song and through word and through relationships to try to explain it. And Paul says this in Ephesians 3, the reference is on the screen. He says, and may you have the power to understand. It's our hope as a church that you would understand as all God's people should. Whether you are in relationship with him or not, can I just say this? Whether you are in relationship with him or not, you're still his people. You just haven't experienced that yet. But he wants you to experience his love just as much as he does me, the pastor standing on the stage. And Paul says, it's my hope that you would have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep God's love is. But then he says this in verse 19, which is kind of contradictory because he knows, but may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand it. To fully understand unconditional love, we can't experience that really in anything in the natural. That can only come supernatural. And so to try to understand it, we can't fully. We can read about it in Scripture through the prodigal son and through the words of Christ and through the encouragement of Paul, but we can't really fully understand it. We can only really experience it. And we want everyone that calls Avenue Church home or is looking for a church home to experience, and then Paul says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. That's where completeness and fullness of life comes from. Not jobs, not relationships, but it is experiencing the love of God. And, and to experience, we talked about this with the This Is Our God series. To know someone is to experience life with them. To know God, to know his love is to experience that with him. And so we want you to experience God's unconditional love. We want you to find your identity in Christ. Find it in Christ. And Paul says, we've been raised to new life, so set your sights on heaven where Christ sits. Think about things of heaven it says, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ. I don't want, like, I, man, I, I love our church, and I want to rep our church, but I don't ever want your identity as a believer, as a Christian, to be wrapped up in Avenue Church. We'll have T-shirts. We'll sell T-shirts. We have social media, but your identity should not be wrapped up in the church that you belong to. Your identity is wrapped up in the body that you're connected to, who the head is Christ. Your identity shouldn't be wrapped up in your marriage as great as it is. I have to fight hard because at times my identity wants to get all wrapped up in being a dad. And if I'm not careful, I will allow that to overshadow the most important thing in my life, not even being a pastor, but being a follower of Jesus, that my identity comes from him. You know, because there's been times I've been hurt by my kids because I try to be dad and they don't like that I try to be dad. 
and then I think I'm a horrible person to being a horrible dad, but I'm just trying to be a good dad according to how God's leading me to be. There's gonna be times where I let you down as a pastor. I'm just gonna, like, I may have already done it and you just haven't told me. But you've told other people. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> right? I'm just kidding. I found out. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really haven't heard anything or much, okay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but if I allowed my identity to get wrapped up in how well I lead you, man, I would be psychotic because there's days I feel like I'm leading well and there's days I feel like I'm leading horribly. But I have to constantly go back. It's like, God, how do you see me? We just read it. It's like we are his prized possessions, right? Um, and I want everyone that walks through this door that, that how they have seen themselves based on the world standards changes to be how they see themselves based on God's word. And then we want people from that to begin to live out their purpose and that God has called each and every single one of us for a purpose. And I don't want us to get caught up in thinking our purpose is somewhere out there. Like, God's got something big for me. The greatest purpose you can ever have is living a life submitted and surrendered to him. And as you do that, your life aligns with what he wants for your life. Paul says this in Ephesians 2.10. He says, we are his masterpiece. We are his greatest creation. And if you think about an artist and they do all these sketches, they, and, but, but there are certain works of art. If, you know, we think about Salvador Dali, or we think about Michelangelo, or we think about Picasso. When I say those names, there are probably um, visual images of, of certain paintings or sculptures that you've seen. And for you, those are their masterpieces. But when, think about this, when we think about God's masterpieces, you get to see it every morning. You wake up and brush your teeth, and you're like, oh, Lord, that's it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but you are God's masterpiece every bit. And we've said this before, like you are not you on your worst days, and you are not you on your best days. You are the you that God sees you, and it's, it's a plethora of things. And God's called us to live out purpose. And he's given us, and we'll talk about this in, in, in this year, we'll talk about the gifts that he's given you, the personality that he's given you, the relationships that he's given you. And there are people that you are to connect with. There are people that you are to minister to, to speak life into for a purpose. And so I wanna talk about how we're doing as that, both as a church, and I want you to think about how you're doing in that as an individual. Proverbs 27, 23 says that we are to be sure to know the condition of our flock, to know the condition of your flock and put your heart in to caring for your herds. Don't you just love how the scripture calls us animals a lot, right? Uh, take care of your flock, know the condition. And so scripture mentions time and time again that the people of God, the, the church is, is the flock. And, and as the leadership team here, it is our responsibility to know how you're doing and as we grow, it will get harder. And this is where we will have to start taking care of the flock together to know how each other is doing um, and to put our whole heart into caring for our herd, <laughs> for you guys. And so I shared with our, with our team last night, we actually had um, an A-team gala and we do this every year and it's, uh, we just celebrate with all of our serve team members. And um, 
I shared some, some good things. Like this year for Avenue Church, uh, for a lot of our team members, has felt like it was probably the hardest, which is crazy because we launched this baby in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> Can it get any harder? I'm, I'm never asking God that question again, <laughs> right? Because the answer is like, absolutely, let me show you, <laughs> right? It's like we ask God for things, for strength, for patience, and we think we're just gonna wake up one morning and we magically have it. Have it. it doesn't, no, he takes you through seasons where you get to work that out. But um, just looking back over the past year, what felt so hard, there was actually a lot of fruit, um, if you're not here today and you want to know like what, or if you're here today and you, you hear the term A-team members, our A-team members, they're the people who serve. I've said this. Um, we've added 23 new A-team members since September. So our, our serve teams are growing. Um, we have 90, hard to believe. We have 90 folks on our serve team. Um, our average attendance um, for 2023 was 157. So 90 of that is people that are on our serve teams. Um, that's not counting the kids. Um, the typical church is, is about 20 to 30% people do all the work. You guys have heard the Pareto principle. 20 people do 80%, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Um, we've got 60% of the people doing uh, 100% of the work. <laughs> they're, they're carrying the load. Um, you guys are such a generous church. We're able to do things. Like every time we have a baptism, we bring in a dessert truck. We have the coffee truck today. We don't just do that to celebrate here, but we also give in the community over the last, so let me just say this. Um, our church is a part of a network called, called Association of Related Churches. Their goal is to plant a thousand or like 5,000 churches. Um, in the first 10 years, they planted a thousand. We were church plant 913, 913 pretty awesome. And how they do this is they gift every church plant $50,000, interest-free money. They only ask that you reinvest that $50,000 back into other church plants over um, the first five to six years. The average art church plant takes five years. We were able to reinvest that in three years. Um, come on. We were able to reinvest that in three years. In addition to that, we also gave out to foreign missions, to local um, outreach, to in-house benevolence, um, almost another $30,000. All while, as a new church plant, we've saved $100,000 for our future uh, because you guys are extremely generous. Um, whether you're on the A-team or not, if you're serving, um, you're an honorary A team member, or if 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 you're giving, you're an honorary A team member because God has given you the gift of generosity, um, and so we're we're making a difference within this community. Looking um, at salvations, we baptized 23 people, um, or 20 people last year. Um, that's 11 more than the year before. Um, that's up 120 percent. Um, may not seem like much, but for a new church plant, man, God's moving. And, and we look at all this, and there's, there's maturing that is taking place. Our church grew, but not like, like 40 or 50%. Our church grew, but what happens is all these other numbers that are going up, it's because our people are maturing. You guys are maturing. You're understanding this, this way of life that, that Christ has called us to live. And so those are just stats. So when you look at conditions, what I tell my team all the time is we're going to look at stats, 
but then we're also gonna listen to stories. Because if you're only looking at numbers, your numbers can, can be all up and to the right, but everybody's miserable. Like I've been in those organizations, right? All the numbers are up and to the right, but everyone's miserable. Or everyone's just, everything feels so good, but you're broke and nobody's showing up, right? That's not healthy either, right? I, I don't wanna be there. And so we are diligent about checking our stats, but also listening to stories, what's going on in our church. And I just wanna share a few stories of, of some people just in the last year that have spent, um, seen their life change. Stacy spent a large portion of her life captured by addiction. She was sober for nine years and didn't attend a church in nine years because she didn't feel like she could belong there. We were the first church she attended in over 10 years. Um, at the beginning of last year, she did the 21 days of prayer and fasting. She heard about it and thought she would do it, and she felt like God was calling her to come back to church. And so she Googled us. Google's been great to us. And we were the first church. Thank you, Google. She came. And the Sunday she came, we were in the middle of a series called Hope Restored, and we had a, this is how good God is, we had a couple on stage sharing about her recovery from addiction and now walking in sobriety where she is building um, residences for recovery in women. Tell me, God's not on point with things, right? And so, so what has happened, yeah, it gets better. You can save your applause some, don't you? All right. <laughs> she was baptized over the summer, and when I talked to her this past weekend, last weekend, she's engaged. Come on. Like, God is just moving in her life. Um, life change is happening, and then we've got a young man. His name's Cody. He's been coming since about launch with his family, and first couple of Sundays he came, and he was just real stoic, didn't know what was going on. Um, then some time changed, and he started tapping the chair in front of him. Um, and now when you watch this young man, he's just all abandoned in worship. Uh, he was also baptized this year. Um, he's a new father in a new marriage, and God is moving. Um, come on, let's give God praise on that. Can I share just a couple more? Can I share just a couple? I want to share a couple more. There's a, um, Amanda. Amanda showed up when we weren't even having church. We were having a picnic, a Memorial Day picnic. We were having church at the park, and most people that came were people that come to Avenue Church. And she shows up. Somebody brings her to me. She introduced herself. She says, hey, I'm Amanda. She said, I wanted to come to church. I saw you guys were at the park, so I thought I would just come to the park. Is that okay? I brought my kids. Like, absolutely. So we're talking. And she's like, I'm pretty sure I'm not saved. It's like, okay, well, that's a great introduction. Okay. <laughs> You're in the right place. And she's like, but I don't, I, I think God exists. I don't know. And, and Amanda's been attending church since last May. Um, she has given her life to Christ. Um, she's walked through some incredibly tough times with her family. Her children were dedicated, and our church family were around her. Um, when you guys are falling asleep, she's on the back row. I'm preaching to nobody else but her because she's just leaning in and taking notes. All this has happened just this year, and then Leslie was a part of our launch team, and she sent my wife and I this message this week. She says, we are a part of a literal miracle a church that launched in the middle of a pandemic and to look back, to remember, to see every little thing God has done to get us to this point, it's the most precious thing I've ever been a part of. Come on. And then every week, come on. And then every week, every week, we have folks and, you know, we've got, man, Murfreesboro has just becoming a melting pot and we have people moving from out of state and they're finding a church family here um, and you guys are making them feel extremely, extremely welcome. 
Um, so I want to read this passage, Matthew 9, 36 through 38. says this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. He just turned and just pictured. The crowds are following Jesus. The disciples are, are just following them. And he turns and he sees the crowd and he has compassion for them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. I got to thinking about this. And this prayer, this prayer was actually answered in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, when the church starts and God pours out his spirit during a festival, Pentecost, and we think Pentecost is the name of the day that, that God's spirit was poured out, but Pentecost was actually a harvest festival where you're celebrating the harvest and so the prayer was answered. The workers in the field was not just more people then walking with Jesus, but the workers in the field is God's church. The prayer started being answered in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the church was birthed, and the prayer is still continued to be answered right now at 116 North Walnut Street through Avenue Church, down the road at Experience Community Church, across the interstate at World Outreach, down the road to Alinea Church. God is putting workers into his field here in Murfreesboro. And you know why? I don't, I don't know if you know, but our field is growing. When my wife and I moved here in 2019, the population of Murfreesboro was 148,000. In 2021, after COVID, the population of Murfreesboro was 157,000. The estimated population of Murfreesboro at the end of last year is 160,000. The predicted population of Murfreesboro in 2029, you want to know what it is? 195,000 people. You think Old Fort, Memorial, Medical Center are crazy now? Stick around for another five years. Uh, but hey, I did find out we're getting a Trader Joe's and a P.F. Chang's, so let's go. There are some benefits coming from it. Um, but guys, and Bucky's, listen, do I want to, you guys are nuts. I've already told my family we're not going to Bucky's in Murfreesboro. Like, we're not going. I, I tried to get my family to go to Bucky's so many times, and they were like, no, we're not going to Bucky's. So they were asleep on a road trip. I passed to Bucky's. I pulled into Bucky's while they were asleep. Woke them up. We're at Bucky's. Let's go in. Two hours later. <laughs> Now, now I'm praying they're asleep when I pass the Bucky's so that we don't have to stop. But guys, our field is growing, and we are workers in that field. What a great opportunity. And what are we going to do with that opportunity? We're going to do what we've been continuing to do. Um, 20 people a day are moving to Murfreesboro. Um, I get excited. I get nervous about the opportunity. But here's, here's a key point. Only 38% of the population affiliate with a Christian faith, Christian denomination. Guys, this is the belt buckle of the Bible belt. 
only 30% of the population admit to affiliating. Not, I'm not saying those that call themselves Christians and are living out their faith. 38% confess they affiliate with a Christian denomination. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. How do we do this? Like, how do we, how do we go? Like, it can be insurmountable. It could be like, God, what are we doing? If we're not careful, we will get really comfortable in the walls of whatever building God has us in. But we have to, first, we have to embrace this mission that when Jesus is saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he would send workers into the harvest. We have to embrace that, that once we have been taken as a part of that harvest, once we have taken um, walking into a relationship with Christ, we have repented, we have received forgiveness of our sins, we have been baptized, we are walking in relationship with Jesus. It is not just about us staying comfortable. We have to embrace that when we are saved, we are also called on mission and embrace that. We have to realize that it's, it's, it's his field. It's his church. It's not mine. I'm just a temporary steward. There will be somebody else here at some point. I'm praying it's 20 years from now, but I, like, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We have to embrace that regardless of who's standing here, you embrace the mission that God's called this church to. You embrace the mission that God's called you to. We have to see people as he sees them, not as we want to see them or how other people see them. You know what I'm talking about. When people don't live up to our expectations and we see them as who we think they should be. We wanna talk about other people doing that to us, but we have to be careful that, that when people let us down or, or they don't act saved, that, that we still continue to, to live on mission and pursue them. We have to see the lost as Christ sees them, to have, com <laughs> to have compassion and passion to do something about it and really understanding that when we are saved, we are given ministry. Paul says that, that we have been given a message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ with this message of reconciliation, drawing people back to him. So we embrace this, but then we have to do something about it. We have to engage in the ministry. And I love that we have 60% of our adults on a serve team. I would really like 75%. I would really like 80%. I would love to see 100%. I would love to see if you're here today and, and God's gifted you, he's positioned you. And I'm not just talking about here in the church. I've, like, like serving in the church is serving the body and those that are, but, but serving outside. Like how, how can you follow what God is calling you to do? How can we pursue that? For one couple in this, and I'll just, like Andrew and Dan, for them, it was opening a coffee shop so that it could be a place for people to come together in community. It's my office, so I can get out of the house and get some stuff done, right? But what is God, how can you engage in ministry? There's no small service. First thing you do is this, you can just serve. You can serve, and you're like, I don't know what to do out there. Well, then guess what? A good place to start is in here. 
practicing and using the gifts that God has given you, whether it's serving coffee, opening a door, whether it's serving in kids, setting up, taking down, worship team, using the gifts that God has given you and here to strengthen you so you can get a better direction what God's calling you to do out there. There's no small service. Everything matters. Many hands make light work. We can always use more kids workers. <laughs> we can always use more small group leaders, more greeters. And can I get an amen? We can always use more set up and take down folks, right? You can serve. Something I don't talk about a lot, just because, can I just say, like it intimidates me. You can give um, financially. Yes, we've saved $100,000 in three years, and that is incredible. Um, and we've done so much good in this community, and that is incredible. But I also know there's so much more that we can do. And so towards the end of this year, I'm going to do something that I didn't know when I would do, but we're going to take an end-of-the-year offering. And so I'm giving you a year to pray about it. <laughs> so, some, some pastors will give you like three weeks. I'm, I'm dropping a seed now. And I want to give you a year that when it comes time, what, what is a gift that you can give generously to God's kingdom? Not just to Avenue Church, but understanding that it's, it's, it's going to God's kingdom so that we can do more in missions, so that we can do more in community outreach, so that we can hire staff, so that we can pastor more people, and yes, so that we can get into our building someday. And just to give you a perspective of what that's going to look like, the cheapest land that I found... 11 acres, $2.75 million. Whew, yeah, that's a lot, right? No, that is cheap, people. A mile from that same plot of land on this particular street is seven acres. You know how much that seven acres is going for? Seven and a half million dollars. Down the road from that, there's all kinds of acreage. Each acre is going for $250,000. So I think, do I want to Buy land and build? Okay, so that's $3 million on the land. How about the build? Let's go $300 a square foot. Let's look at 10,000 square feet to start. It's another $3 million. Let's look at seven to $8 million because you always want to budget more because you're going to spend more, right? We renovate somewhere. 100 to $200 a square foot. And so God has a future for us. And I've said this a lot. I've said the resources are out there. The resources aren't out there. The resources are in here. The resources are in next service. The resources, are in whether it's finances, whether it's giving, he's called us to do those things, to serve and to give. And then I'm going to end with this, the last thing. This is we can all do. Invite. Invite. I'm going to talk about in March um, just the power of invitation. And just, just, just a, a little highlight, like Google's been great. Everyone that comes, when we ask them, how did you hear about us? Almost everyone says, we found you on Google. You know what I would like to hear more of? My friend invited me. We've got 17 five-star reviews on Google. That doesn't mean anything. But when you invite someone, they're not just reading a review. They have a relationship with someone who's experienced not just Avenue Church, but Christ at Avenue Church. 
One of the things we get all the time is, is your church is so welcoming, and I love that. You guys are. But here's what I want us to get better at, is I want us to get better at inviting, because welcoming is really kind of passive. When someone walks through the door, you can say, hey, how are you? I'm so glad you're here. That's so welcoming. And then they walk right past you, and the next person comes, and we can be very welcoming. But it has, we have to be more active to be inviting, because that says, hey, why don't you come sit with me? That's you entering their world and inviting them into your world. Jesus said what? Come and follow me. Jesus even invited himself over to someone else's house. I always get it wrong. Was it Zacchaeus was a wee little man? Okay. I always get him and Nicodemus and my stories mixed up. But Zacchaeus was in the trees like, hey, dude, I'm coming to your house. Invite yourself into their world. Their world may become better because of it. But we are afraid of feeling awkward. We are afraid of doing something wrong, that we miss opportunities. And so let's be inviting, not just welcoming. And I want to read this verse again as John comes to play. Um, Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds. And let's just do this. Can you just close your eyes as I read this? And we look at being inviting. And as I'm reading this, I want you to see your crowd. I want you to see your people at work, family reunions, in your neighborhood. Who is it that when, when you see them, it says he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the field. Who is in your crowd? Who is in your crowd? Can you see them as God sees them? Can you have compassion and passion for them? Not just to hope they find us on Google, not just to, to, to say, I'll pray for you, but, but can you stop and pray with them? And if they don't have a church home, Invite them to come sit with you. Invite them to go to coffee with you. Hear what's going on in their world. You may not know everything that you need to know about the Bible, but you know the one that is in the Bible. And Scripture says that, that he will give us the words to say by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is I want to pray for those that are in your crowd right now that you see that God would give you opportunities in your field to bring the harvest in. So Father, I come to you this morning and I just, I thank you for what you are doing in and through Avenue Church. God, it's not the work of a few. It's the work and the commitment of many. And that those of us in this room today do not let us become comfortable. God, convict us of being comfortable. God, give us that nervousness, actually, that, that unsettledness to step out, to serve, to give, to invite, because it's not about us. 
you've saved us, you're guiding us, you're leading us, but you've also commissioned us as workers in the field. And so God, I pray for every single person in this room that you would give them boldness, that you would give them divine opportunity, that you would give them words to say, that they would not do it on their own strength, but on yours. And God, if there's anyone in this room that does not have a relationship with you, that is the greatest invitation that they would ever receive, that whatever has brought them to this point, whatever shame, whatever guilt, whatever insecurity that has brought them here, God, I pray that in a moment they say, Jesus, I give you my life, understanding the sacrifice that was made understanding the forgiveness and the purpose and the future that is available, they surrender their life to you and following you. And it starts with simply saying, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not all that's gonna be said, but it's the start as you lead and guide them. And God, just lastly for us as a church, I pray that you would just give us um, wisdom to lead favor um, and resources and a heart of generosity and eyes and ears to step into what you are already doing in the field that you've placed us in, no matter how big it gets. And God, we just thank you in Jesus' name.